0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the You Know The Drill podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Faris and my mate Robbie, two fourth-year dental students producing content for all your dental needs. Whether you're a dental student or applicant, if you want to learn more about the reality of dentistry, this is the podcast for you. If you want to keep up to date with all our episodes, follow our podcast on your platform of choice, and check out our Instagram and TikTok at You Know The Drill Podcast. Thank you.
1: So today we welcome back one of our favorite guests, Dr. Mona Biji, has returned, to chat um, to us and tell us more about his story and experience in dentistry, we are very excited to welcome him back.
0: Yes, yes, yes we are, and uh, this is, this is going to be a cool one because you know, Doctor Nipij kind of done quite a few things in his life. He's not just gone down the boring route of just doing general <laughs> dentistry his whole life. Like he's gone done an MSC, been a practice owner, clinical tutor. So we're we're really really excited to to delve into his life and. Um, how he you know stays enjoying dentistry after practicing and doing different things. So yeah, we're we're excited. Uh, hope you hope you're excited too, Doctor Luigi.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me back. I, um, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here again, and 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 yeah, always happy to you know talk to you guys. It's always nice.
0: Fantastic. So we'll start off with with kind of like the inception of the journey. So what was life like as you know as a GDP?
2: Um, as a GDP, I, I, okay. So maybe a, you know we. I think, I think it's very universal that we come out of dental school with our BDS, and all of us go into what you guys call DFT. And when I did it, it was just called VT vocational training. Yeah, the year in practice where you know you develop your skills and you develop yourself, and and it it's a great year. I think I think you learn most of your trades and become so much better within that year than you have in five years at dental school. And not because that's, it's not, not any disrespect to dental school. I love teaching, but I think it's because you're so in the thick of it mm. um, and you're seeing, instead of seeing how you guys see right now, you will see maybe one or two patients in the morning and one or two in the afternoon. You know, you're within nowadays, within three months, you're seeing, you know, maybe 10, 12 patients in the morning and the same in the afternoon, eventually getting to a stage in one year where you're, you're able to see 30 to 40 patients in a day. Wow, which, which is a lot. Yeah, um, I think life as a GDP when I first qualified was very different to how it is now because the way that, um, and maybe we'll touch on it later, but the way that the, the the program runs, the DFT runs, is very different to how it was when I did it. And when mm. I did it, it, was it was like I do remember my first ever day of being a, a trainee. I had thirty patients booked in my first day. Whereas, right <laughs> well, <reasonable>. no. oh <laughs> yes. that,
0: you see, that, 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 mm. my heart rate is, is, is going up.
2: And wow. those of the students who are listening, mm. uh, your heart rate will probably go up more. <laughs> the last, and I, 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 I remember this vividly. The last patient of my day was mm. an up left seven crown prep. Now, you come out of dental school being scared mm. to do the distal margin of an upper molar anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then, so um, I think it's, in some ways, I think it's really nice for you guys now. It was very different for us then because there was, there was not really any kind of, you know, control over what we were doing or what the trainers were getting us to do. I think we were just a, an extra fitment to the practice. And it was like, brilliant, you're our trainee this year. Get on with it and see the patients and mm. and that's that's how it was so at the beginning life as a gdp was really it, w- it was really fast paced because you're kind of learning on your own you you you're learning to tackle every clinical situation really independently and kind of just with your nurse your nurse is your best friend in the way that you learn a lot from them because you will get someone who is experienced working alongside you and yeah. they're the kind of mentors for you at the beginning. Um, that's what it was like. Um, so I think maybe that's why I felt I could jump into what I did soon after, which was setting up my own practice, because I thought, all right, I've had mm-hmm. a year of dealing with patients mm-hmm. and being thrown at it from the beginning. You think you've actually done a full year of it as as opposed to now, where you know by the end of your year, you'll feel fairly confident. Yeah at the beginning of your journey as a deer, you know, as a, as a trainee, it's very mm. difficult. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very fast paced at the beginning, but it's, it is good. You do gain so much valuable knowledge and experience in not just the clinical aspects of it, but the emotional aspects of it. And, and, you know, the empathetic sides of how you need to be as a dentist. Yeah. Um, following that, I think, yeah, I felt confident enough to set up a squat, um, or my own practice anyway. Which was, it was probably one of the best things I did in terms of an experience, and I did it alongside being an associate. You know, at where I was, a tra- where, where I was originally a trainee. Yeah. Um, and saying up because setting up a practice isn't cheap. And I didn't have the financial backing of my family. Not that yeah. they didn't. But I I I made it very very clear to myself that I wanted to do things on my own. Okay. Um, and I wanted to kind of get onto my own feet. You know, mm. not having, you know, asked anyone for any any funds or anything. So yeah, I think the way I did it, and it's very difficult to do now, but but the way I did it was I just found a place, you know, a medical practice which had a few rooms to rent. And I yeah. thought it might be quite useful. There's a there's a bulk of patients here already, but they're medical patients, and uh, you know, I just paid a rent, and I said, do you mind if I set up one room as a with a chair in it, and the other room as a waiting room, and and we agreed a rent, and that was fine. So I didn't have really any overheads apart from the setup costs of the room, and at that time it wasn't very much. I was able to take a loan with NatWest for twenty thousand pounds, and I was able to do it. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what I did. And and I just asked the reception team in the practice, said, look, do you mind putting up some posters for me if I give you them? And anyone who's interested in getting a dentist, leave their number for me and we will contact them and we'll start booking them appointments. And at that time, with regards to the NHS side of things, there was no such thing as an NHS contract. We were allowed to tell the NHS look, we want to set up a practice. And they said, you'd get your performer number. And they mm-hmm. said, fine, set it up and they did the paperwork and you were good to go. Yeah. It's so different now, but that I, I did that alongside working as an associate. So, you know, for the first few years after qualifying, I was very much into practice life quite quickly. Um, mm. and it was great actually, to be fair. I, I I really enjoyed it. It was hard, but it was really good.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like um, such as um, a much simpler time. with no NHS contracts. It seems you know, um, like a lifetime ago almost.
2: <laughs> it, it, it does feel like a lifetime ago because things changed very soon after. I think I was. I think I was really fortunate at the, at the mm. time, or you know, as as um, as graduates in in those years, we were quite fortunate because. You know, we were able to build up our practice for it for a few years before the whole contract system changed. And because we had an established practice, you know, we were automatically given a contract. Yeah. Um. So you didn't have to fight for one, really. So yeah. So that really helped, and and so I, if you think you, we, I did my first year as uh, a trainee, and then I worked as an associate alongside, maybe working one day a week in my own practice. And slowly building up, and by the end of that second year, I was in my, my own practice full time,
0: so wow. i tried
2: I tried to work you know i I tried to keep my, my you know the income or, or the money flow mm. um, consistent by being an associate and kind of pumping it in into my own practice, but also at yeah. the same time that was slowly building up, and I got to a stage where I could be at my own place all the time, which worked real. out really well. Oh.
1: That- that is crazy. So, just just to clarify, you did your foundation year, and then you set up your own practice the following yeah, within, year.
2: within six months. Wow. <laughs> wow! Wow!
0: No, that is wow.
2: But you know, I, I think it was um, it, it it was a risk, but I I think it was it was a lot. It was easier to do it at that time, mm. and because I well I don't I, and I think you you know people could set up the practices then, but I wasn't interested in buying a a you know finding a building where I would have to set up two or three rooms. To be honest, I couldn't afford it. I, yeah. I, there was no way I could afford that. There was no way I could even think about buying a building or anything. I think I was really lucky to be able to agree a rent. It wasn't even a lease. Oh. It was just a rent. And I'd pay every month or so. And yeah. there was no commitment there. Because if I wanted to leave or if it didn't go well, I would say, look, you know, I'll clear out the rooms and you can have them back. And it was no loss to them they were earning an extra income from me as a medical practice because their room mm. unused in the first place. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Wow. So just, just to uh, clarify for the viewers out there. So what is a squatter practice?
2: Like a squat practice? Like a squat practice. So yeah, forgive me. I should have explained. So a squat practice is setting up, setting up your own practice from, from nothing. So okay. you have a, so you're setting up an empty shell. Um, so you either will set up a squat practice, which is your own practice from nothing and buy all the equipment and try and advertise for new patients and slowly build up that practice from a zero patient base. Whereas you can buy a practice, you can buy an existing practice. So when you, when you buy a practice, it already has an existing patient base. So I think a lot of people have heard the term, and, and if you know it fair enough, that those who you don't, everyone hears about the goodwill of a practice. And the good, the goodwill of the practice is really the, the price that you're paying to be given that list of patients. You know, you yeah. are not just taking it from them saying, all right, this building is worth this much and all your equipment is worth but this, how much I want to give you for the practice. That's how much their business is worth because they've sat and developed that list and you're getting already an established list of patients with treatment needs. So mm-hmm. the hard work is already done. So yeah. when, you buy it, when you buy an existing practice, there are two elements to it. You will, buy, you will pay for the goodwill, which is the kind of royalties to buy that practice. But then you're also paying another part for the practice. So then you'll pay for the fixtures and fittings within, within the practice. So valuers will come and say, right, this is how much all the chairs are worth and this is how much all the cabinetry is worth and the equipment, etc. Mm-hmm. And they'll value that. And then finally, you'll also then either buy the building or the premises that's in, or you will negotiate a, a lease, a contract uh. for X number of years where you will be paying for that. You'll be paying a rent. Mm. So there's a lot more that goes into buying a practice. But the only, the main difference is you are kind of guaranteed that you have a patient base because people can start up a practice. But you're taking a risk. You're not sure. You're not sure how many patients you're gonna get. You don't know within one year or two years or three years whether you'll be breaking even. Um and now you can't set up an NHS practice. So you're only gonna be setting up a private practice. You can only you can only buy I say buy, but you tender or you you know, you bid for an NHS existing contract. Hmm. Okay. That's so it's it's, interesting. it's it's very it's much harder now. Um yeah, and not just for you guys. It has been like this for the last, you know, five, seven years mm-hmm. or so. It's been quite difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's quite interesting as well to kind of learn about, um, you know, the different types of practices you can buy or start up, etc. Because, you know, I don't know about Faris, but I, I I don't really know too much about the subject, so it's good getting a bit mm-hmm. of insight there, and I'm sure our listeners as well really mm-hmm. appreciate that insight as well. Um. Uh-huh so kind of you know just about general life as a as a practice owner yeah. um what what kind of things did you enjoy the most and what kind of things did you dislike the most
2: i think i think the enjoyment is knowing that it's knowing that it's your own which gives you an element of freedom um mm. in terms of how you run the practice. You may not like the colors on the wall and you can change it. You may want a particular chair and that's up to you. Yeah. Um, I think how you are as a dentist is going to be the same in every practice that you work in, whether you're an associate or a principal. But I think when you're a principal, which is a practice owner, mm. at least you get the freedom to decide you know, how you want things done. Who your staff are, which I think is probably one of the most important elements of having a practice, the staff that you choose. Because I think I think within a practice, everyone is equal. You know, you're no better than anyone else because without them, your practice doesn't run. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, a, a crucial part to having your own practice. And keeping your staff happy, I think, is one of the most important things. You know, it's fine to be a boss. But I think... You know, it's really important to make sure that staff are valued. Um, okay. And, you know, when you go to, as as a patient, if you were going to a practice and you're seeing a different receptionist or a different nurse every time you go, because you're only going twice a year most of the time, you know, mm. going for a six-monthly checkup, there's something going wrong there. Because when staff turnover is high, that's a problem. There's either a, a, unhappiness within the practice or problems within the way that practice is run. That doesn't really bode well, you know, as it, you know, patients like to see the same dentist, but they also like consistency, you know, with the environment they're in. They don't really like change because they're building their relationship with you. You know, they're building a trust with you, but not only with you, with the practice, with everyone within that, within that building, within that business. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, so the advantages or the things I enjoyed were being able to choose that and do that myself. And knowing that, you know, if you need some time off, you can get, no one's going to tell you, oh, well, you know, you can't take this time off. Yeah, fine, you do have to fulfill patients' needs, but, you know, you can work around maybe getting someone in to help you or anything like that, and you've got the ability to do that. Yeah. So I think being a sole principal and a a sole dentist, when I say sole, running a practice on your own without any associates, that's a nice, uh, that's what the advantages are. When you have associates, yeah it becomes very much more business orientated and you are earning 50% of what they take or whatever the percentage is mm. so it becomes a much more you know viable kind of business when it comes down to you know profits and things like that yeah however it becomes there are the disadvantages because you know you need to again be able to choose the right associates you know so everyone as dentists we have you know, we should have clinical freedom and you need to be able to give your colleagues clinical freedom, even if you may not agree with the treatment that they do. Mm. Um, and, you know, when they, have, when they have time off, you'll need to find someone to cover them. You need more staff to run the practice, which means dealing with payrolls and dealing with absences and all the kind of things that would happen in any kind of business, to be fair. So, I think those things are the disadvantages, you know, dealing with more stock and you know, you know, it's the same as in university. You think, oh, why haven't they got this material there? And that's because there's only so much that, you know, as principals we can do yeah. in, to have the right stuff to be able to you need practice managers and things like that to be able to run the show for you. So yeah. it has it it has its good and it's bad. And I, I and again, I had practices for ten years and I loved it. I loved them. I never sold anything or gave them up because I hated it. I did it because I wanted to just further myself. And I thought life is too short for me. Or I thought I don't want to be the dentist that has stayed in practice all my life. Oh, and that's fine with some people because that, that you know, some people like that stability. I thought I, for me, I wanted to at least have broadened myself in various different aspects and experienced the other parts of dentistry. And don't get me wrong. I probably could have still done so as owning my practices, but I think it makes mm. it, it was easier for me to think, all right, I can still work as a dentist. I'll still be an associate, but I can go home at night, not worrying about the other admin side of it and worry about other things in life yeah. kind of thing.
0: Very interesting. It's, as I said, like I can, you can sense that like divergent thinking where you kind of think about the different routes within dentistry and other things that you wanted to do. So kind of going down one of the routes that you, you know, um, chose yeah what what made you want to become a dft trainer uh, and what did you enjoy most about doing it
2: so i think and and i and maybe i should put this forward to students I, i i quite enjoy you know i i think i've always enjoyed teaching you know i think i enjoyed teaching uh you know doing stuff with other colleagues and showing them different things and learning from them as well um and when, and when did I realize that? I don't know. I think I only realized that as I worked in bigger practices and worked with other people, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to realize that when you're kind of on your own.
1: Mm. Um,
2: and, I, and I think I always had it in my mind and, and, and that's something I did kind of know from when I was maybe in, in dental school. And that's something that maybe you guys will, know. I thought at some point in my career, I'd love to do some kind of teaching. Mm. Um, you know, I like the vibe that's in university. I like the atmosphere, and yes, it might be quite stressful for you guys sometimes. But um, actually, for me as a tutor, I'm pretty, you know, relaxed when I'm when I'm in uni. Yeah, you are. Um, I feel, you know, I feel quite in 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 a really. I feel in 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 my comfort zone, mm. and I feel like I can really give what I want to give, but make it nice for the students, um, and and purely, <laughs> you know, purely because. I do remember my experience as a student and I think my experience as a student where, and, and, you know, I think other people will probably, uh, you know, maybe kind of understand this. You'll have tutors that you really enjoy going to and there are tutors that really make you feel bad. Um, (laughs) And I think part of the learning process, especially in this career that we're in, um, is empathy and not being told off for something. It's okay to do something wrong, but to be made, to be, to be made to feel like you've done something bad. I think that doesn't go down very well. And it, and you know what? I think in this career, you need confidence. You need confidence to do things. And it doesn't, it doesn't give you confidence when you get those kind of responses. So I think I wanted to become, an, uh you know, part of the academic system because I thought I'd like to see if I can do it in a better way or in a different way.
0: Mm.
2: So I chose to. It was it was a toss up really, because with becoming either a, a trainer or a clinical tutor, and actually it was strange because the time it was I think it was two thousand and thirteen where the option for both came up, and and I started where I started working with you guys in Kings in in two thousand and nine mid two uh-huh. thousand nineteen. However, in two thousand and thirteen, I was offered the same position with Kings um, five years before. Um, and I turned it down because I was also offered to become a trainer at my practice. So I had the choice, do I do one or the other? And I decided to become a trainer because I thought, all right, right now I think I'm happy in the practice that I'm in and maybe it'd be good to just do one to one kind of training as opposed to teaching a whole load of students. Yeah, And I enjoyed it. And I think probably I learned a lot from it, you know, which I can use now or I do use as a tutor when, when I'm with you guys. Um, so yeah, what made me, I think I just wanted to do teaching. I think it was, I think it was the right time for me because I, I'd, I I'd f- fulfilled all my commitments as a practice owner. I'd done that. I'd done my masters. Um, uh, and I thought, okay, I feel like I have the knowledge and I have the background to at least be able to give something back to someone. Yeah. I thought, why not? It's a good time. And the opportunity came up. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And, and yeah, I decided to do it. And I think I only gave it up when I when I stopped working at that practice. Um, and when I stopped working at that practice, I thought, well, I kind of missed the teaching. And strangely enough, you know, positions came up at King's. And when I applied, it was, you know, I didn't really have to go through the whole interview process or anything again because I'd already been through it once. And yeah. I was given the position.
1: Okay, so just to sum up, so you did the you were a DF trainer for about five years.
2: Yeah, for about four four or five years, I think I remember.
1: Okay, and then you you came to Kings to be a clinical trainer.
2: Yeah, and then I came to Kings to be a clinical trainer. So, um, and so now I currently I do teaching at Kings two days a week with mm. you guys. Um, and I work in practice two days a week. Okay. And that's, that's, I think, I think that's what I really enjoy doing and, and it works for me. Um, I think it's a nice balance. Um, it, I think it's a really nice yeah, balance. And I, and I think there was a, you know, going down to the question of, you know, what made me want to do it? Mm. And, and what makes you want to be a tutor you know, as opposed to a DFD trainer. I think, like I said, I gave, you know, I, 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 I was, I was leaving the practice, so I couldn't fulfill my role as a DF, you know, as a trainer. Um, and you know, when you, when you, when you're at the stage where you want to actually be a clinical tutor, I'll be really honest, there's no money in this, in this job. Um, you're not, so you're not doing it for the money. There is, you know, I'm not going to tell you, how much you know tutors earn but you can probably earn more money in retail for a day than being a clinical tutor um so you know people beg to ask well why do you do it and Mm. i think it's a really important question and and the reason i do it again is is not because it's going to earn me money it's just because i enjoy it and i think it's it's really important to enjoy what you do. And I enjoy the teaching side of it. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy it. Like I said, I feel mm. like in, I'm in a good comfort zone when I'm on clinic. Yep, I could be in practice on that day um, and I could be earning 10 times more than what I'm doing at um, yeah. a day at King's, but yeah. I enjoy it and it maintains my sanity and I like yeah. to be around the students because it feels nice.
1: Yeah and I think um we will we will touch on 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 the importance of enjoying um dentistry mm. in a second um I just want to quickly go over the advantages and you know kind of drawbacks of being a clinical teacher so you mentioned you know you get to do what you love doing and you get to teach your students etc yes. but what what would be some of the drawbacks cuz i mean i can i can think of one mm. i i think it must be very stressful having to Manage, um, you know, six students and, and six patients at one time, or you know, sometimes more than that. Um, is 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 that stressful? And is there anything else that you don't? No, that's write? not stressful.
2: So, it, it, you know what? It, it's a really nice point to touch on, and I think that's down to the person or the tutor. And and I think that comes down to what we just spoke about before. Why are you doing it? Why are we doing this job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some people are doing it as gap fillers because they're only in practice for a few days and they can't work anywhere or they have they the practice doesn't have the ability for them to be a practice. Yeah. And so they want something else to do and that's fine. So it can be quite stressful because they're doing it because all right, it's a job, it's a paid job, you're on a payroll and yeah, you can give something back. I don't find that stressful. I think it for me having that number of students or more is more of a buzz for me. I like it, I like to be able to go and help and see what I can do, and try and not only teach clinical skills, but teach you about time management, because I think time management is really crucial, and I think not many people learn about that while you're in dentistry, because you have two and a half hours or so every session to see one patient. Um, You know, it's important to understand time management. So if I know how to manage my time, and if I can teach you guys how, how to manage your time, that I'm doing something right and it shouldn't be stressful for me. Because if yeah. I'm able to see, you know, fifteen to twenty patients in one morning in practice, why can it why is it gonna be so difficult for me to see six or seven in one morning?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I I've never thought about it like that, but when you think of it like practically, it, mm-hmm. it makes sense in the sense of there is that emulation of, of, of practice setting, but you've just got a load of dental students that are a little bit stressed out. Yeah. Trying to trying to fix little problems. But you know and that's true.
2: And I think sometimes, you know, is one and, and there is a vast array of tutors in, in the building and, and I have the utmost respect for all of them. But everyone's background is really different. And some there are some tutors which are very just hospital based and there are some tutors which are, you know, practice based. And I think you'll get a lot from both kinds. I think you need both kinds on there, not just one kind to be able to get the most out of your undergraduate years here or especially the clinical aspect of it because sometimes it's not just about the textbook way of doing it. I think dentistry is one of those degrees which is you can't look at it from, you know, as in tunnel vision. You have to know that or feel that yeah, there are going to be situations where you're going to have to do something differently to still mm-hmm. get the same end result. Um, and so some people sometimes get caught up in, but the textbook says this, blah, blah. Yes, sometimes you're right, the textbook does, but I think, you know, having the ability to be able to use your own knowledge from practice to be able to teach the other side of things, I think mm. is really good. Um, so as an you know advantages of being a clinical tutor yeah you can use what you've learned through your career to give back to to some of the students i think the disadvantage sometimes is for me it's not the stress of seeing you know x number of students i think for me the disadvantage in this last few years of covid is is um consistency with building a rapport with one group of students mm. i think yeah Pre-COVID, as you'll remember, you know, I was a tutor for a particular group every week is the same. So it's a lot nicer for students because you learn a particular way. And as you know, there's no right or wrong way, um, but you learn a particular way. And every tutor has a different thought process. But for you guys to hear something different every week can be quite, you know, it can be quite Abusing. soul-destroying, really, sometimes. You'd think, mm. well, I learned it this way. Now it's got to be this way. Yeah. So I miss, I think I miss the consistency, um, which has you know has got definitely got a lot better since you know the setup has changed at Kings. Um but obviously, you know, we can't, you know, we can't do much about the pandemic. Um yeah. and we've just got to try and work with what we have. So yeah, I miss that. I don't really think there for me, there are no other disadvantages. I think I've made a great group of friends over there, and I really do, you know, I really do enjoy the students. So no, I I, I like it. I mean, to be fair. That's why I started working two days a week there because I like Mm. it. You know, my practice hated me for leaving, you know, the extra day, but I I thought I want to balance things out, you know, in the way that I like. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think that brings us Mm. on perfectly to the, to the penultimate question. Um, So how, how would you emphasize the importance um, of enjoying your practice and doing what makes you happy in the world of dentistry? I
2: don't know how to emphasize it enough. Okay. I think it is one of the most important things in life. I think, you know, it's it's really nice to have aspirations to be a particular kind of clinician and, you know, do really well in your career and be able to provide for your family and things like that. Um, and as long as you have the right, you know, focus in life to be able to do that, but maintain, you know, some kind of sanity in what you're doing. And re- also know that dentistry isn't everything in life. It's not, it's a career and it's, it's our job. And yes, we enjoy it. And I love the passion that you all have. It's really, not, but just remember to have, you know, m- remember that, you know, there is everything else in life there's family and friends and hobbies and things like that and i think it's important to be able to immerse yourself into the different varieties of because there are times where you are going to think oh i had a really rubbish day and i just and if dentistry is your world that you live in how are you going to get out of that you know Uh, it is they say you know there there used to be all of this kind of um information and then stats about how it's one of the most stressful careers and has got a really high suicide rate and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's stressful, but it's what we make of it really. I think if you are able to you know do well, you earn a good living, enjoy what you do, but you know also have the balance of you know family or friends or other parts of your life that you don't kind of neglect along the way. I think that will help you um, enjoy your career more, and it'll, it'll help you enjoy your life more. I think I'm Fantastic. quite fortunate because you know I was able to do what young, and you know I have you know, and I'm I'm happy. I've got you know I'm I'm still where I am. I work my two days here, and I work two days there, and I have my three daughters, and you know it's great. I enjoy all of the aspects of my life, and I don't feel like I have neglected them over my career or vice versa, you know, I've maintained that kind of stability because, you know, it's easy for us to get immersed into a career and we don't actually kind of have time for our children or our families and stuff. But I think, yeah, I, I I think for me, I think it's really important that I, I maintain that.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I think um you kind of answered our final question as well, which was kind of related to this idea of of like best ways to make sure that you enjoy um your life as a as a dentist. So so thank you for that.
1: Yeah,
2: pleasure.
1: Great pieces of advice and we've really enjoyed having you on for this episode. I've enjoyed
2: it too. It's quite nice to be able to talk about all this stuff.
1: Yeah. It was really interesting hearing your journey and mm-hmm. the motivation for doing different things and it's been quite a very, very journey you've done quite a bit. So it's, it's interesting to hear all of that. And we're very grateful that you've taken the time to come on and chat. Yeah,
2: no, I, I, you know, it's my pleasure. And I think I would just say that, look, the journey should never end. You know, it's mm. not like you have to feel like there's an end point to that journey. It's your journey can continue, you know, because if you carry on enjoying things, you'll want to keep on doing things. You won't feel like you are, you know, you know, down and out and you've had enough of it you'll constantly want to do things because you've already achieved a balance so no i think it's i I, I'm, i'm very thankful for my own journey and i you know i hope you guys have a really good journey too i'm sure you guys will
1: thank you thank you great words of wisdom so yeah so thank you guys as well for listening to the you know the Draw podcast
0: yep and to find out more about dentistry the application process and stay up to date with the podcast. Make sure you follow at You Know the Draw Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and at Farresten on YouTube for all your dental needs. Thanks for listening. And peace out.